Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm. I am your host, Ross Bolin, here with my good friend and co-host, Barrett Dudley. Barrett, this is our penultimate hotline call episode. It is, it is. Ever. Boy, that is, uh, that's something, man. Yeah, I feel uh, a bit sentimental. Help is, me. Is, is, the hotline, is the hotline blinging more than ever? More than ever. I mean... Everybody trying to sneak in their calls? It is a total and utter... It, it is just like outside the gates... Of, inside the gates of King's Landing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll in tell there. you what. People people are... like uh, We you know we, we, we said this a little bit on Monday, but... but oh, sure. The, but after a couple more days, like, people are just mad out there. People are unraveling. <laughs> it's really bad, dude. Like, it's funny. I know you and I get so many messages about the show now, so it's really easy for you and I to keep... Uh, a pretty good pulse on where the fan base as a whole is at, mm. uh, which is really just society at this point. Yeah. And I guess it shouldn't be shocking that society's not in a great place. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be that shocking to us, right? Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I get messages from people who are like, I mean, you would think they were they were mourning the death of a loved one or it's like a real life, like, Ross, I tried your method, I tried to rewatch... It's just not sticking with me. It's just bad writing. Like so many devastated messages from that crowd yeah, of yeah. people who have rewatched and still don't like it and can't can't cannot make sense of it and can't make it fit into their heads. Right. And then there's people who are like, "Dude, I hated it, or I struggled with it, and then I rewatched it, and now I love it just like you." And I, so I'm like, I don't know if are we doing it right? Are we doing it wrong? I guess it's both. Well, same, we're do, we're doing it right. No matter what we do, it's the right it's the right thing. Oh, you and I are infallible. We can't make mistakes. <laughs> the only thing that we can make mistakes about is what Bran or I'm sorry, what uh, Sansa and Tyrion were talking about on the bridge. Right. In which case we can make grave mistakes. Oh, the worst errors. But that's really the only time that we that we can make mistakes. It's still like 8 out of 10 <laughs> hotline calls on our hotline are like Hey guys, just so you know, it's the full explanation about that scene still, and uh, and that's that's unfortunate, but we were able to pull quite a few great hotline calls for today. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Lisa. Everybody has the right to rest, but the key to getting your best rest, of course, is the right mattress. Meet Lisa with two awesome mattresses, accessories, and bases for better, deeper rest. Their all-foam Lisa mattress is new and improved, featuring cooling LSA 200 foam for enhanced pressure relief for side sleepers, or... You can rest on their hybrid mattress. It's, it used to be called the Sapira, I guess. It's like the f- artist formerly known as Sapira. The perfect combination of foam and spring for pressure relief and edge-to-edge support. The hybrid is the bed that I have. It's unbelievable. Most comfortable mattress I've ever owned. Could not more highly recommend it. They also have incredible pillows and blankets, both of which I use. I uh, recommend those as well if you're looking to pick up some accessories. Some sleep accessories. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. And from day one, they set out to create a company that had heart which is why they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. And to date, they've donated more than 32,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Clam Fam, you get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Dragon. Use the promo code dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code dragon. Boy, that, uh, that, dr- that dragon yeah. promo code... Uh... Just sounds a little different now, doesn't it? Whew. Yeah, we might need to change it to like lisa.com slash T 
team civilian or something. Like what? Whatever the opposite of dragon is at this point. But Lisa, for now, yeah, Lisa.com slash dragon is still the URL. It remains. Don't get the it. URL. Don't get it twisted. Nah, we're just playing. Uh, the series finale of Game of Thrones, the final episode ever, which still does not feel right to say, airs on Sunday. The grand freaking finale, people, and we will be returning to the studio bright and early Monday morning to record after spending the night doing our rewatches, taking vigorous notes, slamming coffee, perhaps other substances will be involved. Uh, we'll be breaking it down just like we did with, with all the other episodes this season, scene by scene pretty much, and... Uh, It'll be helpful, hopefully. But between now and then, we'll actually be back on Friday on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles with another episode taking even more hotline calls and delving into areas of discussion that we won't have time to fit in today because there's obviously so much to talk about that it can't all be accomplished in a simple one or even two podcast episodes. There's a third on Friday just to be sure we're all as prepared as we could possibly be for this final episode. So, next week... For the finale, we'll do it like we did every week this season. Monday, regular episode. Wednesday, hotline calls. Friday, even more hotline calls and predicting what's going to happen on the last episode ever. But then, beyond Game of Thrones, beyond next week, starting the week after, Barrett and I are retiring. <laughs> I'm kidding, we're not. We're going to be expanding our scope beyond Game of Thrones, beyond A Song of Ice and Fire, beyond HBO, beyond television even, to bring you the most prevalent and relevant in television movies and entertainment after Thrones, uh, to at least give ourselves a chance to recover a little, we're going to be doing one regularly scheduled episode a week of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Uh, one of the first shows... Now, Ross, do, do I have that? to pay for those episodes? No, Barrett. They're free. They come straight to your uh, Apple Podcasts or wow. Spotify or wow. SoundCloud, just as this episode you're listening to right now Okay, does. all right. And, and what are we going to be talking about on this regularly scheduled programming? One of the first shows, Chernobyl. It's not a show, I guess. Technically, it's a miniseries. A miniseries. Oh, if you're not watching do you Chernobyl. See, do you see this barrier that we're breaking? Whew. It's not even a TV show. It's a miniseries, and we're going to talk about it wow. anyway. Wow. What a change. <laughs> what a massive strategy that's change. New, that's new shit, man. That's, you know. I learned about Chernobyl um, when I was a child, and I remember thinking to myself, holy shit, communism is bad. <laughs> Uh, because, it, it, I mean, a lot of the issues that arose during the uh, fallout after mm. the fact, I don't want to spoil anything here, it's, it's human history, can't actually be yeah, spoiled. Yeah. Uh, it could back in the day before, the, before all the information was out there, but anyway, uh, I just remember thinking to myself, my God, what a disaster. The show, holy crap, the miniseries, it is just so unbelievably well done. So I can't wait to talk about Chernobyl, and then from there... The Deadwood movie is coming out, of course. This is like the, a couple HBO things. Well, here's a third. Then, Big Little Lies. HBO, maybe you should, maybe you should just be giving us money. Uh, but the lineup of TV and movies the rest of the year is truly stacked. It's not just on HBO, and it doesn't look like that trend is going to stop anytime soon. Obviously, we're in the best uh, time frame for entertainment that has ever existed in human history. Content is king. We're also going to be dropping reviews and commentary on movies that Barrett and I watch on, you know, whether it's Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon Prime, Hulu, whatever. We both watch a ton of movies and we're going to talk about them. The point is we'll be here and we're going big. And we're very excited to discover other incredible shows, movies, and even music with the Clam Fam beyond Game of Thrones. Barrett, your thoughts, your feelings. Uh, I'm just very, very excited to continue having an outlet to talk about the shows that 
we are all going to watch and watch together and as a clam family. Do you know what I mean? The happiest clam family. Yeah. So, you know, kicking it off, Chernobyl, Big Little Lies, Handmaid's Tale, like all of that content just, you know, injected into my veins, baby. I started Googling like, what's the closest nuclear power plant to Austin? <laughs> I don't recommend looking that up for your city. It will, uh, it will, it maybe will shock you. Yeah, another th- don't look up the sex offenders in your neighborhood either. How about that? Oh, oh well, yeah, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> Come on. We all saw what? What was it? Knocked up back in the that was the first movie I saw make a joke about. They just fucking red dots all over the yeah, neighborhood yeah. on the screen can't or whatever. Be, yeah, can't be too careful out there. Yeah. Uh additionally, of course, we will be ramping things up on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles as well. For all of you who are members of the Mollusk Militia currently, as promised, uh, we will be discussing our offerings starting in June. Right now, today. So this season of Game of Thrones ends, right? The following week, HBO is releasing a two-hour Game of Thrones documentary, and we're going to break that down and discuss it on Patreon. Probably in two separate episodes, if I had to guess, considering I think this thing's going to be a few hours long or more. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure on the timing there. Well, you, you, you have it in the notes that it's a two-hour documentary. It is a two-hour <laughs> documentary. So but it we, could be, it's a two-hour documentary that could be like three or four hours easy. Oh, easy. It could extend <laughs> well into over two hours, even though it's just a two-hour documentary. No, okay. No, of course, our discussion could our be Our discussion, absolutely. And here's the thing about those, I, I, I'm going to, we're pretty damn sure it's going to be two Patreon podcast episodes based right. on that. It's, of course, going to lead us into a lot of other discussion f- that that reverts back to feelings about the show as a whole, about characters, Getting about... closure. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not it's not just going to be that breakdown of the documentary. Of no, course, no, no. we're going to do that, but it's going to have so much more insight. And what what I'm especially excited about that is be- because those will, will be the first two Patreon pods of June. Right. Everybody, you're, we're, we're giving you just a little bit of time to digest this whole thing because a- as... As you well know, and and ha- as has happened the past few weeks, our Monday episodes tend to be like a little reactionary and knee-jerky because we, re- have because be. we record them less than 12 hours after we watch the episode. Like right. the episode, the, we watch the episode, we go to bed, we wake up, we talk about it. So right. there's like, there's very little time to, to really like take it all in, to like make sense of things, to like hear... Y'all's opinions and read other things and listen to other things. No, and it's like, funny. My own, like, I'll listen to things I said on Monday. By Tuesday, I've changed my mind. Right. Exactly. And it's like, and and those are my and 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 Ross's just kind of like instant reactions, like our gut feelings about what we just saw. And then after having time to like listen to other opinions, digest it a little bit further, make sense of everything. Like, it, you know, we your your feelings about stuff can just really change. Oh so, yeah. So that's what I'm looking forward to these to these bonus Game of Thrones pods to see where we land. Not, not only to just get that like I love documentaries. I'm going to be oh, fascinated okay. to hear these people talk about the making of the show, but then to add a little bit more breakdown and insight, you know, a a, a few weeks removed from right. the finale. Right. Yeah, it's going to be something. Um, the the documentary actually airs the Sunday after the finale, and uh, I I. For the same reasons you're excited, I'm excited. I think it's going to be, it's kind of brilliant that it comes out the next week because it does give, even as HBO viewers, as everybody watching the show, it gives everybody a little bit of time to breathe. Like, if it had just dropped right after the finale, 
it could have gotten too mixed up in all the emotions that are going to come with that. So I'm excited that it's a week later removed before anybody can watch it. And then, of course, it's going to be incredibly exciting to watch all of our favorite characters, directors, everybody behind the scenes involved in the show talk. I mean, how everything unfolded, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. I'm very, very pumped to talk about that documentary. Uh, Movie Club is going to be launching as well, where we all watch a movie together, then do a hilarious breakdown of that movie in the form of a podcast once a month. It's like a book club, but you don't have to read. It's brilliant, right? That's great. Obviously, people don't like reading. They don't. They don't. <laughs> Although we will be writing for the the six of you who do still That's read. That's true. I'm, they, well, they don't like. They don't like. They like short form content. It's funny. Like I, I wrote a column and I came into the studio the next day to record, and Mike, our producer, was like, "You know what you should do is read that column into the microphone." And I was like, <laughs> "God damn it, Mike!" No, just read it with your eyeballs. What the hell? But also, that's a great idea. Um, yeah, so movies will obviously be announced well in advance for Movie Club on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. You'll watch the movie, tune in for the podcast, and laugh your ass off. That's the idea. For shows that drop an entire season at once that are coming, like Stranger Things, which neither Barrett or I can freaking wait for as well. Season three, right? Yeah, season three. We're likely going to be doing more comprehensive breakdowns, maybe not full-blown a la Game of Thrones, but similar style as the way we have did Game of Thrones episodes in shorter chunks, hopefully, and tackling Stranger Things in chunks as well, because it's going to be what ten right, episodes. Right, it'll be ten or ten or eleven episodes or something like that. And and for that one that drops all at once like that, we anticipate for and that drops July fourth. Yes, Happy Independence Day, Happy Early Independence Day. You you know will not everybody is going to binge that show that day that day right. So we're going to break it down in chunks for you. Yeah, a couple episodes, few episodes, few episodes, few episodes. Chunk. And it's and that's going to be, I think, a really great way to watch the show. Can't wait for Stranger Things. We're also going to be doing more writing on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'll probably need to write roughly 20 columns over the span of the next year to properly process everything with Game of Thrones. But also writing about all the other TV and movies and shit as well is, is going to be a lot of fun. So the point is this. We're going to be bringing you the best in television, movies, music, and entertainment for years to come with intelligent... Pop culture reference littered conversations, making sure everyone in the clam fam is as up to speed as possible with the latest and greatest in entertainment. And we're going to laugh a lot while we do it, obviously. Very excited for the future of OCC and all the cool shit we're going to get to watch together. Now it's time to get into some hotline calls from the clam fam regarding uh, episode five of season eight of Game of Thrones. Our number, of course, remains 866-43-CLAMS. We have picked out ten calls to play and discuss today. Here's the first. What's up, y'all? This is Zach from Austin. Um, I was calling because you mentioned in this last episode um, how you think Varys was trying to poison Daenerys in the opening, and I feel like that's not quite the case. When I went back and watched it again, it seems to me like, like she's just depressed. Like All her friends and family have all been killed, like y'all talked about. And at this point, she's just not eating. Like, when they go to her in her room, her eyes are all sunken in and shit. So I think he's just trying to get her to eat and hoping that he can get her to be in a better mood. I feel like he's just like, maybe if we can get her to eat and get her shit together, maybe things will be okay. Anyway, that's just my two cents. Maybe I'm wrong. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the pod. Later, guys. No, you are wrong. Yeah, uh, you are very, very wrong, sir. That's okay though. <laughs> Lots of people are. Lots of people are. You're right. Uh, she's depressed. 
but it matters that she's depressed and didn't eat because he's trying to have her killed. And there are a lot of people still in denial here, or there's still some confusion around. I, we got a lot of emails and phone calls about Varys and the poisoning claims. I uh, mean, just just take a look at what he's writing, man. He's he's sending out all these Raven Scrolls to, to everywhere to, he can, to everywhere he can, telling them that Jon Snow is the true heir to the Iron Throne, and to essentially get ready to rally your forces behind his claim, not Daenerys's. Right. Like he's not. He's he has he is no longer holding out any hope for this woman. No, he's he's, he's done. He, it's over. And he is trying to end things before they go where he thinks that they might. Yes, yeah, he, exactly. That, that little, he's trying to kill her before she goes and kills tens of thousands. Yeah, of little little, little Martha May there is definitely supposed to be like or is putting poison in the food. Is her last name really May? No, but that's like a you know Martha May. Martha May. No, I know. Uh, yeah, she says she won't eat, and Varys is like, we'll try again at supper. Uh, no, he doesn't mean we'll try again to get her to eat. He means we'll try again to poison her food. <laughs> Martha works in the frickin' kitchen. Uh, and he's, and Varys has decided that Danny has to go. And Tyrion, you have to remember, basically begged him last episode, like, don't do this, don't kill right. her. Uh, there's also a scene back in season one where Ned Stark goes to Maester Pycelle and is asking him about the Baratheon hair color lineage or whatever, and it comes up that poison is said to be used by women, cravens, and eunuchs. Ha ha. Yeah, which is just a little, little you know, tidbit. It's just a little tidbit because Varys is the, the latter. He's a, he's a eunuch. What's a craven? Uh, like a witch, I think. Ooh. You never want to be called a craven. I know that. Craven. I'm the three-eyed craven. It means contemptibly lacking in courage. Ah, uh, a coward. Coward. Craven is a, a coward. cowardly person. You know who not? You know who was not a coward? Whom? The girl that said, "But both me brothers were soldiers." <laughs> yeah, she she died fighting down there in the fucking <laughs> crypts. Dude, we need to see her. I need to know she's alive. Yeah, I do. I really do too. But both me brothers were soldiers. I can't do it. Why is mine so Scottish? <laughs> it's like way too much sauce on mine. I kind of hope. I, like, it, I don't know. She seemed to be. She seemed to be maybe alone, and I'm thinking that if Sir Davos makes it through all of this, that he should adopt her. <laughs> that's the happiest ending possible right it's sir davos adopting that little girl that's yeah i need like a little coda at the end of however this epi- next episode goes just like show me sir davos and that girl just like ha- you know walking and having a chat and going to 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 live out the rest of their lives i want them eating soup by a fireside and yeah. he's teaching her how to read well hopefully in hot pies pub with ed sheeran on the on, on the uh on the ukulele or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but he'll be doing like a, like a light, you know, not too loud so that it's not distracting so that everybody in the pub can enjoy the conversation, but the music's there as right, background right, noise. Right, yeah. right, yes. My real question is this. Regarding Varys, why was he so open with his treachery and treason? And here's my reason for the question, Barrett. Okay. If you truly do believe realm first, you're Varys, you're, all you care about is the realm, the realm, the realm, serving the realm, you intend to serve it well, aren't you best served to be living in order to accomplish anything so yeah. hey man maybe like lock the door at the very least it, there was just zero effort by him to disguise it was almost uh i mean it wasn't a suicide mission but it was almost like sort of just like well let's do it then if you're gonna kill me kill me yeah um you know in one of the other things that i that i heard a, a few of the insights that i'm gonna add today by the way i'm just gonna go ahead and credit to an episode of or at least my inspiration for the thoughts were based off of monday's episode of the watch podcast which was one of the things that helped me 
kind of reach a a better conclusion about this last episode. Came to a higher plane as a whole. Um, but they they talked about like why why wasn't Varys doing more stuff? Why wasn't he sneaking into King's Landing and maybe like getting back together with Cersei essentially to try to pull down Daenerys or something? Okay. And the and basically like it just like they're out of time, man. Yeah. It, it just had to be the way it was because Varys got to die. I mean, that, his death felt like the quickest thing that's ever happened in Game of Thrones. Because it was in within the first five minutes of this episode, right? Yeah. You're like, oh my God, that was, wow, really just Varys is gone. That was very, very quick feeling. I I think maybe he, I, I can also just, you know, if we're, if, we're, if we're trying to explain it, like it's a pretty dire situation here. He, he, he seems to think. It's desperate to him, yeah. So I, he probably doesn't think that, and because he knows that Daenerys wants to like get on with this battle as soon as possible, I think he's just scrambling. Right. That, that's why he's trying to to poison her because he's got to get this done, man. Yeah. Like he doesn't have time to to execute some behind the scenes secretive plan like he might have three seasons ago. Right. So he's just got his Martha, and who knows what else? At least one angle is Martha that he's trying to get her poisoned. He's up there cranking out as many scrolls as he can. Yeah. It's it's hectic. It's it's him scrambling to try to get rid of her and. But yes. save everybody. As the master of whisperers, he certainly was pretty loud. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Next call. Hey, Clam Fam. This is Amanda calling from Florida. Uh, so my call today is actually about Cersei's death. I wanted to help resolve some of the beef that some people might still have with it. Um, a lot of the actors said that the ending of the series was going to be very Shakespearean, and she, and Cersei dying is that fitting of a Shakespearean tragedy. She's reunited with the one person that she loves. Jamie isn't lost to her. He came back for her, and she's also pregnant with his child. They try to escape. She has a glimmer of hope for a second, and then she has to accept her fate while also accepting the fact that the love of her life and her unborn child are also about to die. She's reduced to a sobbing, sniveling, pathetic shell begging for her life, just like she made her victims. The red keep collapsing on her is so symbolic of the power she has worked for and built up for so long, and the power that she thought was going to be invincible and would always protect her, and it fails her. She's crushed to death by her own power and through her own actions. And for the characters in this show, Cersei dies kind of like Lady Macbeth dies in the play. She dies off screen or unseen in an anticlimactic way. And after the horror, after the horror that Danny has just unleashed, I'm sure that Cersei's death is going to be a mere passing mention in the next episode and not a topic that has a whole lot of conversation. Both Lady Macbeth and Cersei's death should have been a way bigger deal based on the fact that they caused a lot of pain and drove most of the conflict, but both are just going to be mentioned in passing, and the story is going to continue on without them. Second, Cersei has always been a very challenging and thought-provoking character, and despite the fact that she's so fucking evil, I kind of felt myself rooting for her, or at least being able to appreciate the fact that she was so evil. The viewers feeling bad for her or feeling anything other than a fuck yes die bitch is what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to feel conflicted for feeling a tinge of sadness for her because she's just that type of three-dimensional thought-provoking character. Anyway, I love the podcast, you guys. I can't wait to hear your, your thoughts about the final episode. Thank you so much. So that was exactly two minutes on the <laughs> dot. You may have noticed. Here's why. I think she had a stopwatch going. She crushed a much more emotional call like uh-huh. an emotion driven call and I wanted to use that one but so many of her points got cut off 
when okay, she got so cut she, off okay, in two minutes gotcha, that gotcha. we had to go with this one because her points are so good and she clearly did fill the, you know, she mm-hmm. did go with a two minute timer so she could get them all in. Right. And I'm with her. Uh, one of the points she makes in her other call is like, when, since when has this show ever cared about anyone getting closure? Viewers or characters? I mean, she compares the feeling from Cersei's death to the Red Wedding even and having the rug pulled out from underneath you sort of like, that's always been Game of Thrones M.O. I mean, it, it, it certainly is not maybe what we would have expected, not the way we would have expected to see Cersei go. We, we talked about all manner of different ways it could happen, whether it was going to be Jamie. We spent so much stupid time as a, as a society talking about the Valonqar prophecy and all that shit. And it ended up, uh, it's just a Shakespearean tragedy, really, like, like, like our caller explained. She's down there, the weight of King's Landing on top of her, I mean, it is a beautiful sort of poetic death. Yeah, so this is probably the one thing about the episode where I do not see myself ever really wavering from my opinion here. Right. And and it, I think that's okay, it's, by it's, the way. It's, it's really probably the, really the only hill that I'm going to choose to die on as far as the debate surrounding... The episode and the decisions made by the characters goes. Okay. And it just honestly boils down to to personal preference. Right. And that I, I because I while I agree with the poetry of the death, and while everybody that's tweeted at me and called in and is and has talked about like how she was a help essentially a helpless coward being crushed under the weight of her own poor decision making at the end. Right. I like it's just not what I wanted, man. I, like I know. She, I, I, I'll be completely honest. I was bloodthirsty, baby. <laughs> like I wanted her to get her head crushed by the mountain. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. No, I, I'm with like you. that. That is just what I wanted to see happen to Cersei. And I'm and uh, like I'm not gonna. I don't apologize for it. And then here's the here's the other part about that is that she. What our caller mentioned is that you're supposed to feel conflicted. You're supposed like they are. They are putting that empathy on her. Mm-hmm. And like I said on Monday, I just, Cersei was never deserving of my empathy. She was never going to get it from me, basically. Right. Okay. And so it felt like emotional manipulation from the show rather than a natural, that ra- rather than like organic empathy being derived from a situation that made sense. Right. Like, because... It, it was we could only feel empathy for Cersei in that moment because Daenerys was becoming a war On criminal. On the flip side, right? Yeah. Do you know? What, yeah, right. No, because you could mirror it. I mean, I, I agree and I disagree. I I felt there like the comp all the complex ways they could have had this unfold, and then yet the way it goes down is Cersei standing in that room, drinking wine, looking out the window as everything she has ever planned for or or wanted is taken from her yeah as she watches then she has to <laughs> essentially flee with her lover brother yeah and she dies in an attempt to flee there is no be- there is it's beautiful cuz there's no beauty to it there's no right spice right. to it there's nothing that makes it like they didn't need i mean for like I, she done with you like you like you, it's it's more impactful for you to get the almost like meaningless death for yes, Cersei yes. rather than the rather than the big showy one. I would argue that if you hated her as a character, 
that you should be more happy with the fact that she got no love, no shine in her death. Yeah. Versus like what? Being executed publicly in the square with a million of people watching and cheering and screaming sure. or whatever. It's like, I mean, I understand none of us were going to be happy with Cersei. This is the problem. We, we've we been rooting to watch Cersei Lannister die for a decade. Yeah, I, I certainly have. And it's since, hard to let go of that. <laughs> since Ned Stark's head went rolling down that stage, yeah. every single yeah. one of us has wanted to see Cersei die. Although I would argue that was... Uh, Honestly, it was not her uh, doing. That was Joffrey. I don't even think she knew that was going to happen. We've talked about that in more than enough times for us to move past it. But the point is this. I still felt, after a second watch especially, that I that I enjoy, I liked it. I liked the way it unfolded. I like that we don't see her body. I, like, I mean, this was not going to be a quick thing down there either, people. Like, getting crushed by a building doesn't necessarily mean you die immediately. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? She could be down there suffering. I don't know. I thought it was cool. And especially when you do frame it up against the light of like Shakespeare yeah. and the way so many stories, uh, Shakespeare's stories, he used incredible elements of writing and, and twists and different ways of using characters that nobody had ever really done before. And that's sort of what GRRM has always gone through with Thrones. Gone yeah. for is a different way of telling stories. So none of us are ever going to be able to come to one agreed upon opinion when it when it relates to Cersei Lannister's death. There are going to be people who like it and don't like it. Yeah, I do. And l- let me just say, like, again, I see what everybody else is saying. I, yeah. res- I respect that opinion. It just doesn't resonate with it you. Just doesn't, it just didn't resonate with me, yeah. Right. I got it. I've, I mean, I, I feel both sides. And it's like, I've been, <laughs> I've been on both sides. After my initial watch, I fucking hated it. Yeah. I was, like, literally angry. And then after my second, I was like, okay. And then by today, I'm like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> so I have no idea. Well, maybe. Hey, look, I just said it, I was never going to change my opinion on it. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe I soften too. Never it. say never. Next call. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, love what you guys are doing. Keep doing what you're doing. What's going on to the Mollusk Militia, Clan Fam, the Crustacean Coalition? You guys can run with that if you want. Uh, <laughs> Just wanted to call to say uh, what an episode we had. I think a lot of people are divided on it, if you haven't noticed. But the question I had is how divisive do you think the finale would be? If you thought the last episode was divisive, how divisive do you think the finale would be? Do you think it will actually break the internet? Probably. Probably not. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel that the showrunners are doing their own ending. They know the ending that Martin's going to do, but I feel ever since they don't have the books to basically guide them, that they're just doing their own stuff. They're they're writing their own story, essentially, and, you know, letting Martin do what Martin's going to do. Um, yeah, so I just want to know your thoughts on that. And, yeah, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, tortured, letter X, genius. And, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Peace out. I was fucking dying. This dude plugging his social media at the end of a hotline. Do not let that become a theme. We will start having to edit those out if you do that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, also, Crustacean Nation is what we used to say, but Crustacean Coalition is is quite good as well. Barrett, yeah. how divisive do you think the finale will be? Consider where we are right now as a mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. Never been more divided uh, to the point that it's it's we've got mar- marriages in peril 
because people are arguing. We've got relationships oh, that are shattered. I, I, I got in the car yesterday. I, I, you probably know that I'm, I'm, I'm without a car right now. Died on the side of 290 on the way to the podcast on Monday. Rest in peace. So we're doing a little carpooling. Anyways, I got in the car with Laura yesterday, and she was like, I, it's going to be really hard for me not to start a fight with you about your Daenerys takes. God damn. And then she proceeded to start a fight with me. Oh. So yeah. So like, yeah, it is, it's, it is a strain on relationships out here, man. It's so real. Uh, Taylor will text me like, it, basically what you and I just explained, how Monday's episode is our gut reaction for the most part. Like yeah. I'll get, I get in text messages from my wife, like bitching me out for takes <laughs> about things that I've already changed my mind on. Right. Like since yeah. then yeah. too, it's hell. I'm okay. I'm just saying we've never hit a point like this. So where we it's like like we've compared it to politics, like Republicans and Democrats fighting like cats and dogs, no reaching across the aisle, no ability to see eye to eye or connect. I want to say that the like in my heart of hearts, I really want to say that the finale is going to like bring it all bring it all home and like leave (laughs) people with some level of satisfaction. But in my brain of brains, I know that it is going to explode the internet and leave everybody 50-50 exactly. even more than it already is. I'm, I think that's like, going to be the case, yeah. Th- that's, that's, just, that's just where this is headed, man. Because if you, if, if you have already decided that episodes two through five were trash, the, the finale is not going to bring you back around no no they've already chosen their their hill to die on so to use barrett's uh, metaphor lately yeah so like 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 you're probably if you're in that camp now i don't think there's anything that the finale can do to change your mind essentially. right right like what is a path to to this show ending with everybody happy that even exists at this like what john killing danny well no that's not going to make everybody happy there's gonna no matter what now that danny has broken bad we're always going to have I think at least like 50% of the audience that's angry, no matter how the last episode unfolds. I don't think there's a way to bring that back because it really is truly because so many people are still looking at it as she was like a humanitarian 20 minutes ago Hmm. and now she's like Hitler, which I still would argue is not fair. I would would argue that that the only reason it feels that way even a little bit is because you're not unpacking it properly in your head. And yes, the showrunner's very much put themselves in quite a spot by only having 13 episodes to unfold seasons seven and eight, but I would argue it's all there if yeah, you, if you le- look. Le- I think you're I think you're very very right on that. The here's a fact: they didn't have enough time to do to to do this properly. Right. That is that is just an inarguable fact At of what point. of what is going on. Yes. Like. There's not enough time to make all of these plot points feel earned. And that is that is what almost all of us are bucking up against. That's the main that issue. That is the main issue. And so I, I'm trying to like what I'm trying to do at this point is just kind of come to terms with that and then look at the story from a, you know, a higher level right. from a from a bird's eye view. Yes. Because, uh, you know, this look the 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 visions that we saw in season four, maybe right. five. Right. Like they're coming. They're 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 just coming to pass. Yes. They're like, coming. To this has been in the tea leaves for several several seasons now. This is where it was going to go, and it was always this, part of the conversation. This, this is the decision that. 
the writers and the runners of the show knew that she was going to make. So it's not like they've completely flipped this thing on their head. I would also argue that- It just feels, it, and, and, and count, you can count me in this camp, it's just really hard to swallow when we didn't get enough time seeing her like have that mental break, essentially. For me, I think the biggest hurdle is the lack of time between the Battle of Winterfell and her mental break. And it's because it's that quick from one episode to the next that you consider her to be like a savior and part of the winning squad. And she brought her dragons to come help when she didn't have to and all that shit. To the next one, she's literally like, uh, uh, you know, committing genocide, like we said. So that, that I think, in itself is like the main hurdle for everybody with right. with Danny. But, but at the end of the day, if 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 you're just you know, if you're reading a synopsis of the story, right. if you're telling the story to somebody without them watching the show and you tell this story, like it ends up it's going to end up making sense, I would say. Yeah, one of the, the it was an option. It was a it was a split road we've known about since we met Danny basically. Where she was either going to go be like all the other Targaryens, you know, the flip a coin thing, half the Targaryens are fucking crazy. Or she could be uh, a, sa- a different, a savior, different than her dad. But she didn't. She ended up, much like he he was, where anger and psycho pride uh, won out. Yeah, and that's another, I mean, yeah, there are we, some semantics that I'm sure we have some type of call about later that, that, that we'll add to. For sure. I know, and I mean... All I'm saying is this, if if nothing else, you have to be able to admit that all of the bits and pieces to Danny becoming the Mad Queen are scattered throughout the first six seasons. It's just really difficult to adjust from seasons one through six to the speed of seven and eight and then have it feel like it's hitting correctly. Right. That's that's the biggest thing. And in regard to his question of whether or not the show will be different than that than the ending in the books. Uh, George R. R. Martin actually did end up doing a blog post saying that Ian McKellahinney, whatever the dude's name is, who plays Barristan, Barristan, sell me, sell me, sell me. He did not make a deal with Benioff and Weiss or HBO, according to him, George R. R. Martin, to hold back the books. He has not even finished the next book. He hasn't even started writing the last one. He says. <laughs> So considering he hasn't uh, even started writing the ending, yes, it will absolutely be different than the ending on the show. In fact, it would be insane if it wasn't. Now, okay. I mean, it will I, unfold differently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it will unfold with the time and the pacing that you've all come to know and love. But I think they but agreed. I'm, I, I feel positive that he told them- The ending in. The like- To work toward. Danny Burns, King's Landing. Down. Yes. No, I, I'm with you. The main, main, main plot points are still going to be there. Danny's going to go Mad Queen. I don't think that's going to change. I don't in think In the so books, either. Danny's not going to be yep. a different person that is the good guy. And John becomes the terrorist or something. like That's not going to happen. It's going to go the same route. I just think it'll be in the much more detailed fashion- that everybody has come to know and love, like you said, where you, it unfolds slowly. You, yeah. And you know what I've had to remind myself that I, I meant to say this on Monday, but you know, we just, we run out of time then and I, I don't get all the thoughts in, but I've had to remind myself of this like several times over the last few days. Who said it? Ramsey. Like, if you think this has a happy ending, you, have you been haven't paying been paying attention. Right. And I had to tell myself that like 10 times a day over the last few days, like it was, I was never getting John and Daenerys no. ruling together was on the ne- Iron Throne. Ne- like- I don't know why we got confused. Like I don't know why all of us thought 
Maybe there's because, a chance. Because humans are, by their nature, hopeful. And, you know, we... They, dude, they faked us out, man. They, they gave us some, they gave us some false hope and head fake. Yeah, yeah, love a good head fake. Today's episode of OCC is also brought to you by Burrow. Burrow is rethinking how people shop for and live with their furniture, making high quality sofas that are customized online, shipped for free in one week, and set up in just minutes. I got their original armchair, actually with an ottoman. Uh, the options I personally chose for my armchair were the color beige with dark wood. Low arms. Uh, it arrived very, very fast, was incredibly easy to assemble even for a mechanically idiotic human like me, and has quickly become the number one seating option in my living room for not only myself but my dog Bruce. This thing has become like his de facto throne. Speaking of which, it's scratch resistant and stain resistant, so you can live your life worry free if you've got dogs or kids. It's got a built in USB charger, so you never have to get up. And it's a sofa that grows with you. Burrows are very easy to set up and disassemble. You can also make it bigger, or if you need to, uh, scale it down at any time and you'll see exactly how that works when you go through their website their fabric is free of harmful chemicals and has a frame made from sustainably sourced hardwood and you can complement your sofa with four unique pillow collections pick your style or mix and match if you want between mid-century bohemian industrial or rustic these are soft hand-woven fabric covers on these pillows with plush inserts burrow was recently named one of the best inventions of 2018 by time magazine and ClamFam, you get $75 off your award-winning Burrow sofa by visiting burrow.com slash clams. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash clams to get $75 off your order. Thanks again to Burrow for supporting the show. Next call. What's up, guys? This is Pete from Milwaukee. Um, just a quick comment about Aria and the horse at the end of the episode. Um, so there is a Bible verse. It's Revelation 6-8. Uh, and it reads, I look and behold an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death. So I don't know if this is supposed to foreshadow that Arya is Death. You know, she was training with the faceless men and whatever. Um, maybe it symbolizes that she's going to be the one to, to kill Danny. I don't know. I don't know if Benny Hoff and Weiss are even smart enough to incorporate something like that into the show. My guess is probably not. But anyway, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Um, yeah, go buck through the deer. Man, people people are never going to forgive these two dudes, uh, Benioff and Weiss, for for feeling like they did them wrong. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna carry this shit the rest of their days. I don't think y'all realize like the amount that comes with that for yeah, those two guys. Well, you know what's crazy though, right? Is that when they wrap this all up, the next thing that they are doing Star is Wars. continuing the Star Wars saga. <laughs> they are responsible for the next like. What's going on in Star Wars right now is is referred to as the Skywalker saga. Right. And it's ending with the next movie that's releasing later this year, yeah, which that's by like the, the way, cap I'm, on I'm that sure part. we will talk about. Of course we will. PS if you just, you know, throwing that out there right oh, this oh, right yeah. now. Oh yeah. But after that, it's it, they're the next ones up to do a trilogy. And if you think the Game of Thrones hive Woo. gets angry and pissed off when you mess with the canon and the story and you and and you make mistakes, oh baby, just wait, just wait till the Star Wars Reddit's get a hold of these two guys. Like, they should not be worried about what Game of Thrones fans thinks. They should be worried about what the Star Wars fans are going to do because those people get directors fired, man. Right. No, I mean this is that could be honestly it could be part of it. They like were like Disney, oh Disney will pull God. the plug on your ass if right. they don't like the way that you're running the movie. Yeah, dude. And it's... then if you make a shitty one, that's arguably worse because then that entire fan base is going to hate you. It's like the biggest entertainment franchise that's ever existed. 
So in terms of value, that that's I mean, and viewership, they probably just need to keep their eye on the ball for that shit. Focus <laughs> on the Star Wars nerds; they will eat you alive. Uh, yeah, this Bible verse, it got splattered all over memes on Instagram uh, with Arya. It's so damn creepy. Uh, and again, the verse is this: and I looked. And behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. Uh, now, look, I'm with, I, I don't know why this comparison got drawn so quickly. You're like, uh, maybe Arya is death in a way already uh, to many people. She obviously was. She's killed many, many, many people. Like, that for sure fits. Was it intentional? I don't know. I don't think they were like reading Revelations in the writer's room and saw that verse and were like, damn, let's get Arya on a pale horse. The, I, I think they ha- they had to have known. Really? They, yeah. Oh, yeah. No shit. I, I just didn't even... I do. Does it matter? That's too much. Now, I'm not saying that it was the primary... Look, here's the other thing. In the books, at one point, I believe what I read is that this happens in Karth. Uh, but somebody... It might even be our masked lady friend oh, yeah. in the television show. Oh, shit. It doesn't really get that much of a role, but yeah, in the yeah. books is more prevalent. She warns Daenerys of some stuff to watch out for in the coming months, years, life, whatever. Sure. And one of the things that she warns about is the pale mare. Huh. And that is, that's a disease or some type of sickness or ailment in the books. So people kind of brush that part off. They think she's just warning about like a skin disease or something like that, whatever the pale mare is. Okay. But the pale mare... Now we actually see a pale mare, so it could be something that, like, I think that probably plays into it as well. But I would be really, really shocked if this, if this, if it just also happened that there's a relevant Bible verse that includes a white horse related to death. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. It just feels, it just feels a little too clean to me. Um, but I liked it. I love the way the end of the episode unfolded. Oh, but, really quickly before I forget. Somebody did, we kept getting calls about the comparison between Danny and that opening scene where she's looking all depressed and shit and gaunt and makeupless and her hair's down. Yeah. Comparing that to the way her dad looked and the one image we've seen of him ever on the Iron Throne, there was a huge parallel to be drawn there. I gotcha. mean, they were trying gotcha. to make him look as mu- her look as much like the Mad King as they could. And if you look at a side-by-side of his image on the throne screaming in that one flashback we have from Bran... And her standing in that window looking out, okay. it is, it's really a, a stunning comparison. But anyway, back to the pale horse. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with the horse. The, the brand thing, whether or not it was him, lots of people are calling in. The other extremely popular theory is that the horse is hound-related, that it is somehow a spiritual recognition. There was a point back in the show in like season four or some shit where the hound refused to give Arya a horse because he thought she'd ride away or something. And then eventually when she does get a horse from him, it is a white horse. People were drawing that comparison like he just died. Perhaps it's his spirit kind of getting her out of King's Landing. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be like some explanation around the white horse in the beginning of the next episode. But at this point, anything can happen. We'll go back to Kevin Garnett here. Anything is possible. Yeah. Um, do you think it, it, it should Arya be the heavy favorite to to take out Daenerys next week? I don't know, and I haven't looked for the record. Like I'm aware that that Vegas odds exist. I'm also aware that the episode is leaked. 
um, which obviously impacts the Las Vegas betting odds if you're looking to not ruin this for yourself. Please don't send us stuff like that. Like I, any information about this show that we want at this point, we have access to. Don't we don't need any from y'all. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying. Don't send me the Las Vegas betting odds for the episode because I have gone intentionally and kept myself completely pure of all that type of shit so that I can guess myself. And yeah, Barrett, I would think if you're going just off what we've seen on screen, of course Arya has to be your favorite, even though she's the one who took out the Night King. She's the deadliest person still on the show. Yeah, she also has not... I feel like we kind of should see her do a faceless man thing. Right? Like, the Night King assassination was clearly the physical aspect of that, but lacked, like, the magical yeah. aspect, I would say. Yeah. And so it kind of seems like we, we, we'd we want that to play in one final time, but, right? I, but I don't know. Who we knows? need some face swap. I, I, I would agree that she is probably the, the odds-on favorite to take out Daenerys. But there are so many pieces out there in the wind, as there are supposed to be. Like Bronn. What is Bronn's deal? Is he going to come back into play? I don't know. I don't know. I but... am not expecting a payoff on the Bronn situation. He's not... Imp- he's not... Okay, like... He's just not an important enough character to come make a big splash in the finale. I, I feel the same way. But it's Bronn. Are we just not going to see Bronn? I don't know, man. I... I... I think they... You'd think people were pissed about Ghost. If we wave hand-wave Braun away, shit's going to get wild. Well, if he doesn't make an appearance in this final episode to at least do something, then I'm not sure why they included the other two scenes that he was in this season at all. That's why I'm thinking, like, okay, Braun has to have 20, 10%, 20% chance of maybe he's the one. He has to... He's got the crossbow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. All right. I have no clue what's going to go on next. If I did... Maybe uh, Braun is Azora High. <laughs> Next call. What's up, Ross? What's up, Barrett? It's Aaron calling again from Jacks, Florida. Um, just something I wanted to talk about. And I know you guys are probably getting a lot of calls. Members of the clan fam upset about kind of what's happening with the show, how they're finishing up story arts, etc. So I just wanted to call and bring something positive to light. Uh, I think you guys might have overlooked just a little bit. Something I think the show did really well um, when Danny was seemingly going Mad Queen and burning King's Landing to the ground. You guys kind of talked about uh, the green wildfire, how it kind of exploded. Well, to me, that really brought about the story arc of the Mad King going full circle. They mentioned it so many times throughout the series of how his ultimate goal at the end of his life, right before Jamie killed him, um, was to burn burn the place down um, with green wildfire. And while she's burning the city, that green wildfire is exploding and it kind of brings his full story arc into play, and she's kind of fulfilling that Targaryen, Mad King, Mad Queen prophecy of burning King's Landing to the ground. So just something I thought you guys overlooked, something I thought was positive about the show, and something I thought they did really well bringing full circle. So appreciate you guys. Love the pod. Keep doing what you're doing. 100%. Thank, thank you for bringing some positivity. If we're going to spend as much time as we are as an audience dissecting each and every little fucking complaint about each and every scene we should also be crediting where credit is due uh the pockets of wildfire you know for i thought they just played this so perfectly they it didn't come into play immediately it wasn't until like most of the city was on fire that you started seeing some of the little pockets blow up mm-hmm. it, it beautifully highlighted the targaryen legacy and everything we have known about that family uh that we've learned over the course of eight seasons and danny's full story arc and there was, uh, that was all, again, I would argue that was always the thing with Danny. 
Is she going to be like her dad or is she going to be good? That was always the, the situation we were presented with. So it is the full fruition, fruition of her story arc. I mean, she is going full mad queen, full mad king. full. She is breaking bad and becoming a, 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 an antagonist. Yeah. And the uh, wildfire kind of highlighted all that for me. Like, it just kind of made it, it just brought it together. Plus, it really upped the ante on, like, the level of destruction and chaos going on in King's Landing to know that there's also, by the way, pockets of wildfire exploding throughout the city. Yeah. Um, okay, I think this is as good a point as any to just kind of, like, to talk about Danny again. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. If she comes over to Kingsland or to Westeros, and her reception from the people is the same, but John keeps his secret, Jorah and Masande live, and like her personal life there is better. remains intact. Does she make this decision? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, if you if you really look at her life, the most important thing has always been the people closest to her. Whether or not she actually had the support of the people was sort of irrelevant. But her counsel and her best friend, those closest to her, her squad, that was the most important thing. That's what sort of kept her head on her shoulders, even through all these different points where you're like, oh God, Danny, yeah. what's she going to do? It was always Jorah. It was always Missandei. You're exactly right. It was always There was this feeling of like stability there as a result of her core... Advisors. So yeah, and and so so that's what that's kind of one of the things that I think is Im- important to remember is that it's not it's not just that she has this like Targaryen mad gene inside of her. Right. It's that she lost everything, everything. that was important to her, and then was faced with the realization that she wasn't wanted here, and that like sent her over the edge. That right. created a mental break. Right. Where where she goes and does this. Yeah. Now, different people are capable of different things. Is Jon Snow capable of a depressed mental break where he slaughters thousands of innocents? No. Probably not. So that so so yes, while I agree that like Daenerys has shown over the course of the seasons with her kind of emotionless reaction to death in general, that there's like a kernel of her that is capable of something like this. Right. Obviously there there was because it just happened. You know what I mean? Right. But I I don't think that necessarily not showing any mercy to her enemies correlates to automatically being okay with like, do, do you see what I'm saying here? You like yes, showing, you're struggling, showing, with showing no, showing no emotion and being able to be completely ruthless to people that undermine you or to war or to your enemies during wartime does not mean that you're automatically going to be okay with slaughtering thousands of innocents as well. No, but like, it there certainly has to is be a step like, along the way. Sh- yes. Yeah. And I and I agree with that part. I just don't think like 1 plus 1 equals 2 there. Definitely not. Like no. it's it's far more of a multiplication problem rather than an addition one where like I think Daenerys would have stayed on on the right track. On the right path. Had everything around her stayed the same? No, I'm with you. It's because she's been stripped of everything that lays her 
bear yeah. to break. It's not. It's not because she had. Oh, she just had this gene inside of her, and it, it, no matter how she got to that point, if she got it to that going, point, it was right. going to happen. Yeah. That's not the case. Yes, it's the way it unfolded that that put her in that position to have a full scale meltdown and go go do what she did. I, I, I'm I'm with you. It, it's not fair to make it as simple as. Well, Danny snapped, or she's uh, she's insane. No, dude, look at what happened to her. Her children got murdered over the last couple weeks. She lost all of the Dothraki for the most part, at least fifty percent. Yeah, uh, John is no longer clearly comfortable with. Essentially, having... she gets broken up with by somebody that she's in love with. Yeah, Jorah's gone. Uh, I mean, it, she's and literally dedicated her like the, she sits there last season, and the reason that she her love for John. Is why she's there. Is why she's is why she's there. Yes, you know what I mean. Like it's, this, so so th- that's that's a heartbreaking loss for her as well. Everything it, for this little yeah. girl went wrong. Yeah, it did. And then she's sitting there and she realizes this isn't happening for me. Yeah, I'm not going to be the queen of this place. And so and I don't. By the way, just really quickly before we continue, I I do not care what Benny Off and Weiss say during the inside the episode. We kept having people hit us up like, oh, unfortunately, they already explained what Danny was thinking. No, Barrett, you and I, I would argue, as well as everyone listening right now, anybody who watches Game of Thrones has just as much say in what they think is going on inside Danny's mind as Benioff and Weiss. Sure. Is my argument. Uh, I mean, I yeah. And the, they they get to put it on screen. Yes. With, That's it. Beyond with, that. Like, with w- how they imagine it's going. But if it's not explicitly said in the show, then it's still kind of open for interpretation. It's open for interpretation. It's art. That's yeah. how art works. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, one thing that I again, her or like one thing I listened to that I thought was really really interesting and also helped me kind of like just accept the decision that Danny makes is that when she is sitting there on that dragon and is on the wall and starts to hear the bells. Yep, the bells are are almost more harmful than they are helpful because one of the things that she keeps like. The, the paranoia now about Jon Snow is there. It is seated deep within her. Yes. That, that, that is one of the, the worst things that she's got going right now. Yeah. Is this paranoia that uh, the people are always going to back Jon Snow and love Jon Snow more than me. She has no love so my, she has is fear. So my claim is, is no longer enough. And then she's sitting right. there and she's dealing with the fact that in the East – people loved her they threw themselves at her she was misa she was the mother she was the savior the liberator right right like these people loved her they wanted her they cheered for her you know ascendance to 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 rule because she was because they recognized and appreciated the good that she was trying to achieve right yeah Yeah. now she's sitting on that wall in the dragon and these people are not cheering for their new queen they're not saying thank you for saving us from Cersei, Cersei the tyrant. Right. They're saying, we're fucking terrified of you. <laughs> They're screaming. They're screaming because... Because it's terrifying. Because it's terrifying. And I think that, like, the bells almost are what... Trigger her Are what way. trigger her into full realization that she is not a savior or a liberator here any longer. She is a conqueror. Yes, dude, yes. And this is, this is the decision. This is how you conquer. Like... I, I, and and in her mind, I, at that point, I don't think there's a choice, and so I think that's a lot of like distress on her face with coming to like this. I have to do this. Something determines to what she must do. Yeah, yeah. Because 
hearing the people essentially say that they're terrified of her, knowing that Jon Snow has the better claim and more love from the people, it's like, if I don't go all the way with the fear now, then I'm not going to get this. Then I'm not getting this. Exactly. No, that that is exactly how I felt. And I don't think, I mean, you could argue with me all day long, no matter who you are. You couldn't change my mind on that, I don't think. That that's how it felt. That's how she, that's how her thought process went. So you can have Benioff and Weiss say whatever the hell. I don't care. It's, and, and it's about al- what we feel too. Also, I'm, I, if this sounds like I'm explaining away her decision or making it sound like it was okay, I'm not. She's clearly the villain now, not somebody to root for. What she did was awful and a and a major war crime i'm just i I like thinking like i just think it's important to make the distinction that this is like a broken woman who like look if we're going to call cersei a tragedy a greek tragedy this is another one this is a this is a tragic situation for a very tragic story for somebody that we that we loved and so it obviously it's terrifying and awful and horrific what she does and i hated seeing her go that route yeah me too but I, I i at least like to this is at least what everything that i've just said is to me the best explanation for why she makes that decision right rather than just saying oh daenerys was always going to be the mad queen right like she's always had that targaryen fire in her like it required a lot of a lot of pieces to fall the right way in order for her to get all the way there. No, and I mean, you, you, people who are taking like the point of, well, we've had the breadcrumbs as a, well, it was always going to happen. That's not what we're arguing. I don't. I, I think some people are for sure, but not me. Like, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing she was always up against it. She was always resisting becoming this person, resisting the urge to overpower, to overuse her power, to yeah, to become this. You know, I mean. I don't, I'm not saying she was always resisting flaming like 20,000 people or whatever, but she was always resisting being that. Yeah. And then when push came to shove, that is where she ended up. The breadcrumbs display the capability to go that far. Right. But they don't explain the decision to go that far, if that makes sense. That's where you have to, in my opinion, read in the way we are now. Yeah. Because we didn't get the time to have it yes. unfold the way maybe it should have. Right, exactly. You have to read into it as we are to make it make sense in your head. And yep. I think if you do that, if you allow yourself that, it becomes more enjoyable. Next call. Hey, what's up, Ross and there? This is Randy from Green Bay. So I was listening to Monday's episode. You were talking about Cersei and Jamie down in the dungeons. I couldn't help but think of what's happening to Ilaria Sand. Is she still just sitting down in the dungeons with all the rocks falling on her. I know Dan and David have been keeping things brief this season, but just kind of wondering what's happening to Ilaria Sand and your thoughts on that. Thanks, and keep doing what you're doing. Ilaria Sand? <laughs> Danny is incinerating tens of thousands and you're worried about Ilaria fucking Sand? I hope George R. R. Martin writes a 60 damn page death for Ilaria Sand chained down there as King's Landing collapses in the books so that we are all forced to read it as punishment for the complaining that has gone on these last two seasons. That is my wish. And there's no further discussion to be had there, I don't think. Yeah, uh, I'm not super worried about Ilaria Sand. The tr- I- <laughs> You do you do we really think that Cersei is making sure that she's alive down there watching the body rot? Maybe, yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe but, she goes down there once a day and 
looks at it, it for a it, little. It, she probably caught on fire just like the rest of the people. <laughs> she's she's dunsky. <laughs> this episode of OCC is also brought to you by Manscaped. We've all hit a patch in our lives, whether it's because of a dry spell or just general laziness, where maybe the downstairs mix-up gets a little bit wildling-esque. Uh, my whole deal for me personally was that I was always reti- I would retire my facial hair razor, whatever the old electric razor I was using to do my face trimming, and I would use that as my body hair tool. Well, that's not what those things are made for, so you end up getting nicks and cuts and scratches, and it's just hell. And then Manscaped came into my life, where there's absolutely no fear in hurting your nuts with a nick or a cut or a snag ever again, thanks to their incredible lawnmower. 2.0. Their entire product line at Manscaped was created specifically for a man's distinctive grooming needs below the waist, featuring specially formulated products to cleanse, moisturize, and deodorize. Manscaped also offers tools engineered to give every gentleman a close, refined appearance, empowering men by providing the right tools for the right job. I spoke to their Lawnmower 2.0. Their complete manscaping system includes that very razor. It's a rechargeable, waterproof trimmer. With skin-safe technology for a nick-free trim, it is incredible. You will love it. To learn more about Manscaped's revolutionary products, visit manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D-M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D, manscaped.com. And use the promo OCC. That's the code. You type that in at checkout, you get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped.com. Use the code OCC. Grab yourself the Lawnmower 2.0. Stop using that old razor. That's not what that's for. Your boss will thank you. Next call. Hey, it's Matt from Los Angeles. Honest to God, keep doing what you're fucking doing. But I've got one complaint from sort of like the Game of Thrones fandom. Everybody's being dumb and saying that Cersei died in the dumbest way possible, like a brick hit her in the head. But are people really not recognizing the significance of the weight of the Red Keep literally collapsing in on her and her forbidden love that started the whole mess in the first place? Everybody's just so goddamn pissed about, oh, she died because a fucking stone hit her in the head. Like, goddamn. Anyway, love you guys. I thought he did a good enough job kind of further explaining what we've already talked about a little bit to warrant a little further discussion around Cersei. I mean, this is one of the five main characters. Five, sorry. Five is not a number. Five main characters in this show throughout every single season. I mean, her death is very, very important. And the entire weight of the Red Keep resting on her, as I mentioned earlier, she would not just die instantly. That's incredibly unlikely that, like, she'd just get hit with one big rock, it's done. No, you have to imagine laying there for, if you wanted, if you're begging for blood, Barrett, Mm. just imagine, if you would, this is probably unhealthy, (laughs) Cersei is laying there holding Jaime, they've been crushed, they're mangled, and they're bleeding out for hours. That's, I mean, I'm serious, that's what could have happened. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If, if If you look at it that way... Doesn't that help a little? Uh, no. No? God, what did you want, man? You wanted her to have gasoline poured over her head and then have Drogon just go full Jokaris. Do you remember when you thought that Arya, uh, Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse, throat ripped that one white in the, uh, in the Winterfell library? Yeah, in my mind, that's still how it unfolded. That is, that's what I would have liked. Okay. You, you I would have liked Arya to go Patrick Swayze, faceless man, throat rip. Roadhouse using <laughs> using Littlefinger's face to get close and then like sneak attack, kind of hold her down, pull off the face, say the Starks send their regards, and then boom, throat rip. Okay, there it is, throat rip. Uh, look, if we'd gotten a throat rip, I would have been happy, 
But I'm okay with this too. Very slow, very painful. The Starks never got to send their regards, man. That's true. But like our second caller today said, it was tragic and Shakespearean. And I think, in a way, that's enough. Next call. Hey, Clam fam. This is Grace from Jacksonville, Florida again. And I have one question and one question only about these past two episodes. And it's where has Yara been? She is one of Danny's only allies, probably like her only ally other than John. Why didn't they just send her a text like, hey, girl, we're going back to Dragonstone. Your crazy uncle's probably going to be there. Like, where was that? Where was that raven? Where the fuck was that? I'm so sorry, but it makes no sense. We literally saw her go take back the Iron Islands for Danny. Are we just never going to see her again? That makes no sense. I am so confused. Where was she? All right. Thanks, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Barrett, we did ask uh, whether or not Yara would come into play in episode five. Mm. Uh, she took back the Iron Islands in Danny's name. You have to imagine she will be informed in some way, shape, or form of what has occurred here in King's Landing via Raven. Maybe she gets one of the 50 texts that Varys fired off right before his death. Sure. So do we think we see Yara in the finale? No. Yeah, she's she's got to be gone, right? I, I don't think I don't think we see Yara. I think people in their heads have it like, okay, well, we ha- we obviously need to see every single character we've ever met in the in the last episode, right? Like Bronn and, and well, Yara. And- th- that's a good point. I don't anticipate them focusing on the peripheral characters for the finale because I think there's too much to happen right there with our with our main cast and our squad there in King's Landing, right? So, like, maybe. If they do that, if we do bounce around and like try to like put a cap on every single storyline, God, that, I hope we don't we do entered that. into season eight with. Then I guess we could see Yara. I just I, I I don't know what I don't know what she would do or how it would be powerful or meaningful. Right? Really? Yeah. I mean, other than like Theon's Theon and Euron are both dead. Yes. And Yara is in the Iron Islands, uh, probably ruling the. She took the Iron Islands back. She did. So she's the ruler she now. She is. They are, and she has them in Queen Daenerys's name. Like that's it. What do you? What else do you want? That is it. She's in the Iron Islands, holding them for Queen Danny. She's probably going to become aware of what's happened, and at some point, have to make a decision about whether or not she's okay with that. But I don't think she's leaving the Iron Islands. Yara has kind of fulfilled her arc. She is yeah. the leader of the Iron Islands. Right. Her brother and her uncle and her father are all gone, and it's just her now. I don't know if there's some kind of. King's Moot type of situation, or if she's already won that, I, I think know, she won the King's Moot. I we'll, think that we'll get was, that in yeah. the books for sure. But uh, but yeah, don't 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 worry too much about Yara. She's she's up there doing her thing, right? And again, Theon is dead, so that really to me lessens the odds of her reemerging. I I think based on we're going to discuss this heavily on Friday, obviously making predictions about what we think is going to come next week and in analyzing the sneak peek little teaser that they've given us and all that. But based on the the little, I'll just say this. It feels like we're going to spend most of our time where we spent most of our time last week. Like we don't have a ton of time There's to just, be also. Tell me, I mean, like if you if after episode five you're still worried about some of these other characters, like tell me tell me what you want more. You want to see Yara, or do you want them to give us some godforsaken explanation about what the hell is going on with Bran? But Barrett, what about Ilaria's son? <laughs> Where's Ilaria? Like. Come on, like let's focus. Let's 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 just go narrow here and hey, tell me what the hell is going on with the three-eyed raven and how he even matters at all. That part I need, and uh, yeah, way more than I need to see Yara. 
Yeah, we're going to be in Winterfell too this next episode. Some you have to imagine because that's where Sansa and Bran still are, and yep. maybe they come to King's Landing. I don't know, but it's, for the most part, we're going to be focused on that one huge major problem that is a woman with a dragon has snapped and murdered most of the people. <laughs> that's the problem we're going to be addressing. Next call. Hey guys, this is David from Raleigh. Uh, really enjoyed your last analysis, and I think like uh, Ross, I have kind of come around on a lot of the issues. Still agree we got there a bit fast, but. You know, you guys are spot on in that, um, you know, once you kind of go through it a second time, you really start to get a better sense of uh, why the direction they're going, why they're going that way. Um, I wanted to ask one quick question, though. I thought it was a little bit odd was, you know, how did this dragon have that much fire inside him? I mean, honestly, he didn't have to refuel or anything. Um, he... You know, spent a solid hour just torching, torching, torching. Never ran out of gas. And, uh, you know, I know this is a made-believe world, but I I just found that uh, so overpowered compared to the fairly, um, you know, quickly dispatched brothers he had. So, anyway, just food for thought. That dude's voice was stellar. <laughs> Sir, come into the stew. Come talk some thrones. Uh, maybe he has an incredible cell phone. It almost sounded like he hung up a landline there at the end. <laughs> Should we all be using Dude, landlines? Yes, yeah. I I bet that is I. That's probably it. That's probably it. Shit. Probably man. called from a landline. From now on, call from a landline. You'll sound like this guy. Uh, I actually had thought to myself. I I this did briefly cross my yeah, mind. Yeah, just for a second. I I allowed myself one split second of, okay, come on, come on. What does he have? An infinite ammo cheat code? Like, is there no science to how the dragons are able to create fire within themselves and then dispense it? Because you have to imagine there's some kind of refractory period, like we've discussed before, or fuel requirements, or something. It can't like is it the Keebler elves shoveling coal into a furnace? Here's, I don't know. Here, here's here's my explanation. Like if you if if you're still searching for one on this, this is maybe the first time that we've seen a dragon completely unencumbered, all out, all out. Like there is nothing flying at him anymore. There's no projectiles being shot at shot at his ass. Doesn't have to worry nobody's, about any of Nobody's that. chasing him. There's no like there's no cold weather brought about by the Night King that's like freezing up his his little breath there. Nope. Like it is just full all out power displayed at its fullest force with no friction whatsoever. And partnered with Rage. And yeah, and I think that's part of it too. I think the fact that she wants it to go like that helps it go like that. You have to get the feeling. I mean, just even watching from the scenes we get the viewpoint of, of Cersei up there in the keep and, and Drogon just, just kind of zigzagging back. It's not, it shouldn't be funny. It's kind of funny. Zigzagging back and forth, just, I mean, flaming thousands and thousands of people. It's pure. Like uncut rage at yeah. that point, and it's fueling both Danny and and Drogon. Right, and I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, you have to imagine that in it, however the dragon flame works, you would have to imagine there's some sort of resting or reloading or breathe like breathing somehow has to come into play. It doesn't matter. I mean, that, there are that much. there are some small breaks in a little, between the flaming too. Sure, I mean, and you, yeah, he sits on the wall, takes that long look. I mean, there's a lot. We don't see all of it also. Yeah, you yeah. gotta imagine that maybe he stops and eats a goat or a kid. Who knows? <laughs> like I'm just saying there's no there's no sense in getting caught up about that. But I will say this. I totally, totally, totally felt the difference. Obviously we all did. And first of all, Drogon hitting the the tutorial so he could learn how to dodge all these scorpions was obviously huge. 
but the fire and the amount of it that he was able to burst forth from his fucking mouth seemed to be a lot more substantial than in the past. And I think that's a result of everything that's unfolded just the way it is with Danny. Like, Drogon has been through a lot of shit, too, and lost two brothers. And now his writer and master is a crazy person who's completely snapped off off the deep end. So he's in the same, you know, kind of set mindset, if you would. These people are all scum to him anyway. We've seen dragons don't differentiate. We've seen him roast children. We've seen him do things that are problematic in the past. Mm. So uh, once the dragon rider becomes unhinged, baby, it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, this episode of OCC is also brought to you by Hims, a new wellness brand for men. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And the thing is, once you start to notice hair loss, it's typically too late. It's much easier to keep the hair you have than to replace hair you lose. So you have to ask yourself, is your hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Do you have any bald spots starting to form? How are you going to feel a year from now if it's business as usual up there? The solution is 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. And Hims is going to create uh, connect you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. These are well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are legitimate prescriptions backed by science. There's no waiting room. No awkward in-person doctor visits. You're going to save hours and hours of your time, which as we know is money, by going to 4 just answering a few quick questions, then a doctor will review and can prescribe you the medication you need. The products are shipped directly to your door, by the way. No trips to the pharmacy. All you have to do is go to 4 slash dragon. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash dragon. 4 slash dragon. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details and safety information. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash dragon. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash dragon. Next and final call. What's up, boys? It's John from Essos. Uh, I'm sure you guys noticed this, but during uh, Drogon's Firefest 2019, there was that little shot there of uh, him hovering over King's Landing. I don't know if you remember in Brands, boop up visions, and I think like season six, he, it was literally the exact same shot was used um, in his visions. I thought that was kind of cool, the show did that. Um, and Danny had a similar one, I think, uh, when she was at the House of the Undying. Crazy-ass dude. Anyway, and she was walking in the throne room covering Ash. So I'm assuming we're going to get that next season, I mean, next episode. So uh, anyway, just love to hear you guys' thoughts and Sorry, uh, condolences, Ross, on your Rockets, man. Peace. Hey, they're Barrett's Rockets, too, <laughs> just for the record. Uh, Drogon Firefest 2019 is officially what we will be calling what happened at King's Landing <laughs> last week. Uh, yeah, we pointed to the, the Drogon flyover parallel that we saw from Brand's prior visions, uh, how we had seen that before, which was very, very cool. But I did want to further discuss everybody who was suddenly coming to the realization, oh, my God, it wasn't snow, it was ash. These people are like the Game of Thrones equivalent to new money. Uh, you're just exposing yourselves with your naivete. Uh, we have always, as a fan base, known, not just on our show, like on Reddit, on the internet, 
that it could be ash. That was always the argument, right, Barry? Mm-hmm. Like, from the second we saw that, we were like, well, is it snow or is it ash? Right. That was always the big question. Is King's Landing going to be messed up because it's winter or because someone burned it to the freaking ground? And so, again, those little nuggets and the questioning of what would happen with Danny and her legacy long term, that's something that's been called into question and, and, and came into play a very long time ago. And uh, people just were... were Firing out tweets and and putting up memes, trying to get credit for like, oh my god, the ash. And like, no, that was always the thing. But also this, he, our caller mentioned like, I think we're going to see Danny in that throne room next week. Her vision there that she had, where she's walking through the throne room, that's not something that's going to happen. That's not something that's going to occur. I think she was just seeing the state of that room. Hmm. And then, if you remember, the rest of that vision is what. She goes and, and she sees Khal Drogo, Khal Drogo yeah. and her son, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could easily tie that to Danny's going to die, obviously. I mean, come on. She's probably going to die, dude. She's a, she, she just burned everybody alive. The show can't end with her alive. That would be very strange. It, would be, it seems like she is primed for death. She is. Yes. And that would be the parallel you could draw that she's going to see Khal Drogo and her son again in the afterlife or whatever the fuck. So yeah. that's the parallel. That's where you start to look and, and and you can really pull her full story. I mean, it is, dude, that's what I'm speaking to when I say it, it is a beautiful story. It is very, very well done if you're able to appreciate the big picture. It's just super difficult for us as fans to appreciate the big picture right now because we're like doing meth and watching the show basically <laughs> with the speed of season seven and eight. That's that's the biggest problem. So we've discussed it at great length. All, all of the reasons that people are upset, frustrated. I'm begging you, folks, enjoy yourselves this list, this next week. This is it, Barrett. We have one week left to enjoy Game of Thrones all together in its, you know, original form before there's these spinoffs and the sequels and prequels and movies and God knows what else is coming down the line, of course, all of which we will cover, but this is it. So put yourself in a position mentally to enjoy it. Don't, don't go in with the goal of being pissed off or upset or even more pissed off or upset that you were, than you were this week. I mean, give yourself a chance. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I think just to, to reiterate one more time, what we were, what we're kind of saying here is that the story itself does make sense. So go go into the finale kind of forgetting about how quickly and rushed it was to get here and just kind of like try to evaluate the conclusion. There you go. Yeah. Singularly. Singularly. This is the end. Without the context of like, well, this was, we didn't really get it. This didn't make a ton of sense because it was so rushed. And this was, the pacing was weird on this. If you carry in all the shit from like last week or the week before or the episode before, then it's like, of course, like, of course you're going to have a hard time. But if you go in clean slate, you'll be fine. And I I just think uh, that, that there was like, one thing that really sticks out to me is I thought Arya and the Hounds goodbye was super meaning was super cool and meaningful. Right. And like if they had had more time, if they had shown us that that ride down to King's Landing and them talking about vengeance. Exactly. And like figuring it out and like having, having it that get to that point so that that. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, that would have been awesome. But I, at least I can appreciate that. The moment between the two was cool. And then you can kind of plug and play in your own head 
with what that would have looked like. Right. And I'm not saying it sucks that we have to do that no, it instead sucks. of seeing it. It for but, sure sucks. But at least the story, like, I can, I can I can say that the story makes sense. Yeah. And, and look, it, to Barrett's point, it sucks that we got put in a position where that's the thing we're needing to do. But it's also like, come on. Come on. We got we got a great gift here in this show. This never should have worked out the way it did. Like <laughs> it really shouldn't have. It was intentionally yeah. written to not work out this way. Yep. And yet here we are uh with one episode left of the biggest piece of entertainment ever created in any realm. So enjoy it. Give yourself a chance is all I ask. If you come out angry on the other side, then it is what it is. I'm not sitting here doing battle for Benioff and Weiss or HBO or anybody else because it is for me at the end of the day Still very, very, very good and enjoyable. How it ends up for you is is kind of your problem, but I just ask that you put yourself in a good position. That will do it for today's episode. But again, we will be back on Friday on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. That is the only place you will find Friday's episode. Uh, if you join and you're like, oh, we're 15 days into May already. Well, you're going to get access to all the episodes that have already dropped on Fridays as well. Uh, and then, of course, there will be one more Friday episode next week. Uh to cover the finale with even more hotline calls delving into further discussion around things we didn't have time to touch on during our Monday and Wednesday shows. And that's the case this week as well. We'll be talking about things on Friday that we didn't have time to get into today with even more incredible hotline calls. And then we'll be back on Monday to break down and discuss the sixth and final episode of Game of Thrones ever. So next week for the finale, again, doing it like we did this week, Monday episode, Wednesday hotline calls, Friday, even more hotline calls, Then, beyond next week, we're going into broadening our scope, going beyond A Song of Fire and Ice, beyond HBO, beyond television to bring you the most prevalent and relevant in television, movies, and entertainment. Um, And of course, we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a chance to recover. We're going to be pulling back to one episode of regularly scheduled, uh, free, if you want to look at it that way, programming that's going to be coming to you on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud, wherever you are listening today. OCC will still be there starting that very next week after the finale. Uh, now, will we ramp it up and do more than one episode a week of our, ad, our, our ad-based regularly scheduled programming? Maybe. We're going to have to wait and see. But on top of that, we're going to be doing everything on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles as well. Uh, and again, if you're looking like, oh man, what are we going to be talking about? What are we going to be discussing and enjoying together? There is so much. It would blow your mind. Like If you just do a simple Google like... Uh, television show release dates in 2019, you're going to be so pumped to see everything that's coming. Dude, yes. I mean, HBO alone, crushing it. Deadwood movie, Big Little Lies, Watchmen, Euphoria, oh. Chernobyl. Oh. Like, that's just HBO. That's just HBO. That's that's a year's worth of shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm very <laughs> we got, pumped. We got Stranger Things, whatever Netflix drops, the Star Wars movie coming out later this year. God knows how many more true crime docs there are going to be that I just sink my teeth just... I almost, <laughs> I almost said balls deep. You don't want to sink your teeth balls deep into anything. Handmaid's Tale. Oh. I mean, like, there's just, there's, there's, the content is is nonstop. You're going to want to watch it. You're going to want to listen to us talk about it. Barrett, it's the golden age of television. It, it, we always I mean, say it is. It, well, it's, it's something. It's the golden age of something. <laughs> Entertainment. Yeah. 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 Uh, plus, we'll be dropping reviews and commentary on all the movies Barrett and I watch on Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon Prime, Hulu, etc. Content is king, and we're going to be here doing it big. Very excited to discover other shows, movies, and even music with the Clam Fam beyond Game of Thrones. Uh, Again, there's no better way for you to support the show and to get more OCC than by going to patreon.com slash oystersclamscockles. This season's going to end. 
The following week, HBO is going to release that two-hour Game of Thrones documentary. We're going to break it down on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles with two separate podcast episodes, as Barrett mentioned at the top of the show. Two-hour doc. It's going to result in two pods. There's going to be a shit ton of discussion around Game of Thrones as a whole that uh, is birthed as a result of that documentary. Movie Club will be launching. We'll be watching a movie together each month, doing a hilarious breakdown of that movie once a month at least, and movies will be announced well in advance on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles for shows that drop an entire season at once like Stranger Things, which, again, we cannot wait for. We're likely going to be doing a lot more comprehensive breakdowns similar to the ones that we do on Mondays for Game of Thrones, but shorter. Tackling that season in chunks on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles as well, along with doing more writing. Again, I'm going to have to write a lot, probably a lot about Game of Thrones just to even properly fucking move forward with my life beyond next week. And uh, the big picture point is this. We're going to be bringing you the best in television, movies, music, and entertainment for years to come with intelligent pop culture reference-littered conversations, making sure everybody in the clam fam is as up to speed as possible with the latest and greatest in entertainment. And we're going to laugh a lot while we do it, Barrett. Your laugh mostly. That's the one people want to hear. The, the, yeah, yeah. Why don't I, nobody likes mine? <laughs> Nobody's ever like Ross's laugh brings me joy, but I get tagged in shit about your laugh constantly. Well, you know, it's upsetting. <laughs> I'm jelly. But we're very excited for the future of OCC and all the cool shit we're going to get to con- continue to watch and enjoy with all of you. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening and being part of the ride with us. It has been incredibly fun. We cannot wait for the final week. Follow us on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We're on Twitter at Clams and Cockles. You can like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. And then you can follow me, Ross Bolin, at WR Bolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And then check out my other show, The Ross Bolin Podcast, which comes out three times a week. Uh, it was used to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday till OCC, OCC and Game of Thrones threw my entire schedule into a uh, like tornado mode. But three episodes a week of RBP drop, all the same places that OCC is available. We talk a lot about culture, mental health, substance abuse, uh, the latest in the news, current events, all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it, it, animals, pirates, ninjas, uh, anything that I find interesting that's not Game of Thrones related or OCC related, then... That's the place I talk about it on the Ross Bolin podcast. So you've, if you enjoyed uh, listening to me speak on any level over the course of the past several years talking about Game of Thrones, give RBP a shot, as it's called, uh, for some more. Barrett, where can the good members of the Clam Fam follow you and hear more from you? Personal accounts, at Barrett Dudley, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter if you want to, you know, interact, have a combo. Instagram if you want to jump in the DMs, just see what I'm all about. You jump into yours, you don't slide. That you jump. Yours yes. is a pool. Your DMs are a pool. That's that's correct. It's a yeah. high dive. <laughs> I do. I love a high dive. Mine is a slip and slide. I, I'm scared on a high dive, but I like to do it anyways. Um, <laughs> okay. And then uh, listen to the Club Cool podcast, man. Wherever you're listening to OCC, we lead with style and fashion, but we get deep into pop culture. In fact- Do you discuss at, your fear of heights? We meet at the intersection of style and pop culture, and you never know. Uh, the, the the floor is open over there on Club Cool. Turn it into a phobia podcast <laughs> where you just discuss your your greatest fears. Hey, that's they're prob that probably already exists. There's probably already somebody super successful out there doing there a, probably a phobia is. podcast. No, sh- no shit. But you know what? There is. I mean, how about this too? We do pop culture. We do a little bit of entertainment over there on the Club Cool podcast as well. Pop. 
and there's there's so much out there. There's so much room that I don't even have to overlap with this show. It's fucked up. Isn't like it? next week, we're probably gonna like not not today. We got a different topic today, but next week we'll probably catch up on like Barry and Veep. We don't even have time for that here. No, we really don't. So you know, if you want to hear some Barry and Veep discussion, go check out Club Cool. I am uh, Veep is one of those shows that I'm I'm super excited to have time to watch one day. <laughs> that I've caught like I've caught several episodes completely out of context, and it's clearly like one of the funniest things ever made. Uh, and I and I'm super big fan of several people who are in the cast. Yeah, I just I mean Game of Thrones mostly the main reason that I've never right. had time. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I, I, that's one of the ones that like, I've been waiting to dig into down the line in life at some point. Yeah. So that I can have some laughs. It's it's awesome. So good watch. Check out Club Cool. Club Cool. Yeah. And that- uh, Club Cool Pod on Instagram if you want to check out the IG. And that will do it for OCC today. Recorded and produced by Mike Moody and Grant Davis at Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. If you would, if you've enjoyed our show, we would very much appreciate it if you would rate and review specifically on Apple Podcasts. Listen wherever you want, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to rate and review, we would ask that you do it on Apple Podcasts. That is still the biggest podcast platform where we gain the most exposure. Uh, We've been the number one Game of Thrones podcast episode-wise every single week the last few weeks. It's been incredible to see. We've been top 25 episode of any podcast in any genre in the world as a result of all the rating and reviewing and subscribing and listening that y'all have done. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And please, if you have never taken the time to rate and review, go do so now. This is it. One more week. Can't hold anything back. See you on Friday. Patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Adios.